Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, hello, welcome back. Thank you for being here with me today. And I am so happy and excited that spring is coming soon for me anyway. So I was in the throes of my early motherhood in 1989 at the tender age of 28. Well, actually, I wasn't even 28 when Savannah was born. I was 27. And I somehow had created myself this goal that I was going to have my kids before I was 30. And there's something to be said for that because you have a lot of energy when you're young. Get it out of the way and then there's some hope that when you get to be my age, your children are often independent and on their way to their own lives or having their own lives. And you can still have adventures like I'm going to do. So... I guess my plan worked out for me after all. (laughs) So there I was settling into life with an infant. And I don't really remember the decision-making process as to did we weigh the pros and cons of me being full-time caretaker to our child as opposed to hiring someone and me going out and working. But I guess since I didn't really have a steady career I was still at the freelance stage when I got pregnant, so I didn't have a big career that I was giving up on quite yet, and I was still searching for my true giant passion, as it were. So it seemed to make sense that we shouldn't entrust the care of our precious child into anyone else but mommy's hands as long as I could do that. And to be fair, I absolutely recognize that I was incredibly privileged to have that opportunity because my mom's money helped to support us and the money that I had gotten as a small fund way back in Atlanta in college was still helping to sustain me. So I had that option and I recognize that so many women do not have that option and it's very difficult, I know to be, well, it's very difficult anyway to be a full-time parent, but it's difficult to be trying to gauge whether hiring someone to take care of your child is worth it in the long run. But this is what we decided to do. So I was staying home with the baby, real Susie homemaker there, (laughs) which is now an awful insult. And truly, had you asked me even five years before this, Had you told me that this would be what I was doing in five years, I would have at the very least scoffed at you and perhaps even thrown a drink in your face and taken it as a terrible insult. Never say never. I remember having a Susie Homemaker oven, by the way, 
when I was a kid, and it was a treasured toy that I loved so much, and we baked little tiny cakes, I remember. That's so interesting how the toys tell about the time also, because they wouldn't dream of making toys like that for little girls right now, right? To encourage them to be housewives. But Maria Montessori always had activities for children that were about cleaning. But it was, of course, non-binary in terms of Montessori education. Everybody cleans. And those are meaningful and useful activities for children to learn, I truly believe. We will get to my whole Montessori training later, but I took a little bit of a right turn there. Anyway, never say never. There I was, Susie Homemaker reveling in small delights and minor victories, watching that baby change and grow and learn new things every day. And things like, oh my God, she slept for seven hours. Of course, it was the wrong seven hours. It was 7 p.m. till 2 a.m. But still, it was something. (laughs) And doing daily things like walking the dogs was always a big, giant challenge. We had a second dog at this point, and that was a result of a giant misjudgment on our part. We tried to give a puppy to Dave's parents because just before Christmas, they had lost the last of a trio of dogs that they'd had. So Dave had had dogs all through his high school and as he was growing up and such. And these same dogs, the last of them, was this really snarky looking old miniature poodle named Buster and Dave had told us many stories of torturing Buster when he was young and didn't think about animal welfare so much but he told us one story about putting Buster on top of the refrigerator one time because Buster was bothering him while he was trying to make his lunch and so he was like yeah I'll fix you So he put him on top of the fridge and Buster was like clattering back and forth on top of the fridge while Dave made his sandwich. And then Dave walked away and forgot completely because Buster had settled down, forgotten that he was on top of the fridge. And suddenly he heard this big thud slam and Buster had leapt from the top of the fridge and really wiped out on his landing, slammed his head. Poor little guy, poor little guy. By the time I met Buster, he was ancient and blind and hunchbacked and balding on top. And he was really a miserable specimen of doghood. But he loved Beth so much and he just followed her everywhere and she was his protector. And he died just after Thanksgiving, maybe. So we thought, oh my goodness, Dave's parents have never been dogless in the entire time Dave had been alive. So he thought that perhaps giving them a puppy would be a lovely gift for Christmas. Giant failure, huge failure. So long story short, we ended up with this other dog. (laughs) And it was a little border collie mix, adorable as a puppy, and it got to be a holy terror as it got older. Of course, Max was there to help, Max the therapy dog, and Max tried his best to calm this dog down and teach it good manners, but that was not to be. And we did have the fenced-in backyard, so that was lucky. If I couldn't manage to walk these two, they could just go out into the yard. And they loved the baby. 
and they gave her big wet licks on the head when I wasn't looking. <laughs> I was grateful that they were good with the baby. At that point, the house was full of places to put Savannah down so that I could just get a little something done, a little bit of cleaning or make the bed or whatever it was. So there was a big baby swing that took up a huge corner of the living room, very small living room that we had. There was a rocking chair that was a little car seat. There was a playpen and all this to say that she wanted none of it. She wanted to be with me no matter what. So the best place to put her when I was trying to do things was this backpack thing that sat on my shoulders. And that is the way I cooked dinner for Dave when he came home. She was watching from over my shoulder as I cooked. That was crazy. I don't, I don't know how young moms do it at all. It was nuts. For the most part, it was delightful watching her learn all of these new things. I remember she laid on her back and she would kick her legs up towards her head and then back down in a big thump. And this would move her around as she was lying down. So it was okay in the playpen. But I remember one time Dave and I had left her asleep on the bed, bolstered all around upstairs by pillows and things like that. And we're downstairs eating lunch or something. And we heard this horrible thud and then a scream. And somehow she had done this little maneuver where she kicked her head, her feet up and back down all the way to the edge of the bed and flopped over onto the floor. We were so horrified. Luckily, as I said, babies bounce. Another important first for Savannah in her life was when we applied for her first passport. She has had a passport ever since she was four months old. And so back in that day, pre 9-11, you could apply for a passport and get it within two or three weeks. You know, it wasn't like this long process that seemed to take months. So I took some cute little passport photos of her myself and had them developed. I laid her out on the floor and I remember her just like, why am I lying here on the cold floor? Just making the most funny faces, but we tried to pick the one that worked the best. And we got her a passport so that we could go to Italy that summer. But her first time on a plane was that trip to St. Bart's, as I said. And then she went again a month later on another airplane down to Charlotte, North Carolina to visit her Southern family. She was okay in the plane, but I guess all of that traveling was just way too stressful and stimulating. She was very cranky when she got there that time. And that was a little difficult for me being there for five days because, or maybe it was four days, maybe it was just a long weekend. I think it was Memorial Day, in fact. But I got so much advice and judgment in a short span of time from the women in Dave's family, not his sister Edie because she was not a parent yet. But his mom and his grandmothers were both homemakers. That was their main thing. So they had a lot to say about the way that I was taking care of the baby. And especially since she was a little cranky, I was trying to settle her down by putting her in the crib soon after we got there. And they were like, wait, well, we want to visit with her. And then I was like, no, no, she needs, she needs to have some stability, some rest time. But she was so fussy and just yelling and such. And we were sitting downstairs in the den 
And I remember Dave's grandmother, Pearl, just sitting in a rocking chair, rocking fiercely and saying, well, if that was my baby, I'd go right upstairs there and get her back down here. She can't be laying there screaming. And I was like, oh, my God, shut up, you guys, and stop giving me such a hard time about my parenting. It must happen to all young moms. My mom and Pat didn't do these things because neither of them was really experienced in parenting. I mean, my mom had been a young parent and had had a rough time with it and probably had blocked it all out. (laughs) And Pat was not a parent yet, so she was happy to take my lead in terms of what was best for my baby. So I didn't get this kind of thing at home. But I survived it, and I'm sure I learned some things in those first few weeks. And to be fair... Beth and Pearl and all of them were such huge helps in later trips that we took down there. And I was happy to pass off the baby and let her be cuddled and such. But that first one was a little trying. Then when we returned to New York, Savannah was baptized, a Presbyterian, on Father's Day. And we made all of our siblings, Dave's two siblings, his sister and brother, and my brother, all of them were godparents. I think because we were not even sure that we would have another child, even at that point. So we thought we'd better get them all in there. There's a really funny picture of the three of us on the steps of the church. Dave is looking model handsome in his suit and tie and perfect hair. And then there's me, sporting a very over-processed-looking blonde perm with bangs. And Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye would have something to say about that. I'll tell you what. And then Savannah, with huge cheeks, getting very round at that point, but still as bald as Yul Brunner, and wearing some absurd long white baptism gown that she never wore again. I think it was a gift from my grandmother, a vestige of old customs that have surely faded away by now. I'm not sure if people still dress their babies up for baptism and special things. Maybe they do. And in July, we finally took her across the ocean to meet all of the people over there in Italy who were waiting to meet this first grandbaby. Very excited. My uncle Johnny and his wife Renee, who lived in Switzerland, who hadn't been over to the States in the whole time that Savannah had been on this earth. So they were very excited to see her. And there were my mom's tutor from childhood, Classy, that I spoke about a long time ago, and her husband, Sergio, who were dear, sweet friends, and their son, Andrea, who had played with me as a child. So it was really fun to share this piece of my life with them. They were all charmed by Savannah, of course. Savannah slept happily in the stroller beside the table as we had our long luncheons and everybody came to visit and they were just cooing over her and ooing and eyeing. She even started eating some Italian baby food while she was there because I was like, oh, certainly Italian baby food's got to be better than American baby food. So we gave her little spoonfuls of various cereal things and such while we were there, and that was fun. We tried again to put her in the sea to see if she'd like to swim a bit, and this time she did. She kicked instinctively. It was wild to watch how she somehow knew that she should be kicking her legs. (laughs) Who knew why babies would know that, but it was really cool. 
I remember that when I was two years old, my grandfather actually decided that it was time for me to learn to swim. And he actually, they had these little arm floaty things that I think kids maybe sometimes still have now that you put around their arms that are supposed to keep them afloat enough to keep their head up. And he basically put two of those on me and then chucked me in the water. (laughs) Chucked. That's how it was told that he just threw me in to the shallow bits of the water and that I just popped up sputtering and breathing and paddling away. So I guess there is an instinct about what do we do? when we're first dropped into the water. Very exciting. As I said, Savannah's a real water baby now, and so that was her first dip in and her little legs kicking away. And then in August, when we came back, we flew again down to Charlotte to spend some summertime with the Southern family because they traditionally went for a week to Sunset Beach, which is very close to Myrtle Beach, And we wanted to have equal distribution of time with my family and with Dave's family. But all of this traveling was starting to take a toll on Dave because he was working. He had a job and that he had to be responsible to and report to. And so he was having a lot of stress getting this kind of time off. And that's where we really started to discover a different kind of power imbalance in our relationship that would prove to be a huge challenge for us. And I'll tell you more about that as we go, but I'll save it for another day. So more firsts to come, and I wish you a happy spring, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com.